1: striding away, nothing dramatic,
2: just
3: Hello and welcome to a special Irish Examiner New Year podcast. I'm Larry Ryan. In early March on International Women's Day, we assembled a panel of guests in our new studio in Blackpool to discuss. What needed to be done to grow engagement with and coverage of women's sport? Since then, the year panned out like nobody envisaged. So this time, our panel assembled on Zoom to chat about the progress and problems during the year gone by, the impact of the 20 by 20 campaign and how the pandemic has affected the trajectory of planned change. We had Louise Galvin, Sevens International, as well as ladies footballer and basketball star and qualified physiotherapist. Therese O'Callaghan, Irish examiner, GA writer and multiple All-Ireland winner in Camogie. Clina Foley, sports writer and long-time advocate for women's sport and Owen Cormican, Irish examiner writer and regular reporter on ladies football and camogie. The wide-ranging chat touched on the high-profile LGFA controversy, the potential for integrating ladies football and camogie into the GEA, issues around sponsorship, corporate responsibility and much more, while our panel also picked the highs and lows of the year and expressed their wishes for 2021. But first I asked them if it was still appropriate that we were using phrases like women's sport at all.
0: Well, it's a progression that we're even asking that question because 10 years ago, if you said that, Larry, people would be like, what do you mean? Like, it is women's sport. Um, but I do remember once being asked, did I prefer, you know, why is it um, women's rugby and ladies football? And I was like, well, or do, do I consider myself a, a women's rugby player or ladies footballer? I said a rugby player and a footballer, you know, to just, yeah. just drop the extra labels. So I think we are starting to come around to those um, discussions, which in itself is a bit of a progression. I'm not sure what the others think.
4: Yeah, I, I agree. I think, I, I think the necessity for the tag or for siloing it at times has been created because of the inequality of coverage and things. Um, but I think, you know, it, sport is sport is sport. Um, and I think increasingly we're not going to have to do that. And one of the, one of the clever things, I was only talking about somebody recently is I think, I think a really clever thing is when, when um, teams create identities for themselves, you know, so it's very interesting to see even in, in England uh, with the Red Roses, you know, that that was a 2016 decision to give them a name and give them a title. So you're not talking about the, your female team or the women's team. They have an identity that's genderless. And yet we all know who they are. So I often thought it would be really clever if, um, you know, we could give a a, a those sort of identities to our teams rather than having to speak about them in gender. Mm. I think it's a really clever marketing tool. And they literally
0: came up with it in 2016, and look how it stuck. I was just going to say, Clean, it's quite like New Zealand, even in basketball. It's the Tall Ferns, um, the Tall Blacks are the men's basketball team, um, Black Fern Sevens, Silver Ferns. They, New Zealand are another country that continually use that label. And, and from Australia the as well. in,
4: yeah. I often thought it would be a great, be great competition to run, you know, and I think I was, I think I'm responsible for calling the L- Dublin ladies, women team, the, the Jackies, but I could not be. And at the time, sometimes people would go, why give them a label? Or, you know, are you, are you is that a sort of dim- diminution? And I, you know, I that was where I was coming from. And I think it'd be interesting to hear Therese and Owen
2: as well. Like, what do you think? Um, I suppose somebody for me, and it's kind of topical at the moment, I look at it, is Rachel Blackmore, the jockey. And, you know, we don't, you know, she's a very successful jockey, but we do, you don't see headlines, you know, she's a great female jockey, she's a great jockey, and she's competing with the best of men, you know, in, in her sport, and I think, you know, that's, that's what I would look at, and we see her at Leopardstown and, you know, at the moment, and what she did at Cheltenham, and, you know, if we could just get that thought process going, a person is a very good sports person, the gender shouldn't be up there in the headlines.
1: What oh, what do you think? Yeah, no, just, well, just even to bring it down another avenue to maybe go back to to, to Larry's initial question, you know, when you ask the question, it's just having the conversation. Because if you're talking about highlights, you know, you're, you're talking about lowlights. And then I suppose we, we get into this, I suppose, the injustices that are, you know, time and again foisted upon women in sport. And if you're not having the, the conversation, then they don't get discussed. And, and maybe, you know, participants within women in sport don't have the confidence to to, to come forward and to raise these injustices because it's, it's not part of the general conversation, but I suppose the more you talk about it, the more we hear, the more we learn, the more issues are raised, you know, they become, you know, they're, they're entered into the public domain, um, and then that's where change occurs, so I think it's important, even, you know, if if people don't like putting the label on it, you know, as women in sports, supposed opposed to just sport or, or trace just said, you know, a jockey as opposed to a female jockey. I just think it's so important to continue to keep having the conversation because we'll keep unearthing things that, that we didn't know about and they weren't comfortable or confident talking about in, uh, in years previous. Just just the one example, um, you know, the, the Cork dual players this year where, you know, they came out publicly and they threatened strike. You know, this has been going on for 15 years, but they had the confidence this year to do so because I think it was just discussed more and, and they felt, you know, people are more aware of this issue. People are saying to us, you know, this is not acceptable. You know, you know, sh- you should speak up. And, and they did. And, and we saw the corrective action taken. So I, I just think it's so important that we keep having this um, this conversation um, just to bring about improvements like that
4: i I'm, I have an interesting husband, maybe a slightly different take on the, the cork duel player. And I don't think it's a cork duel player, I think it's a it's a, a women's mm. duel player in G, in Gaelic games. I don't know, is it possible anymore? Like they you know, the concept is gone in men's because the commitment level is so high. Um and the schedule is so tight. Now, ideally the two associations, that was the problem this year, get together and do not have fixture clashes. But if you have dual players, you're still going to have players who play 2 intercounty games, possibly in 48 hours. Now that's a decision they make. What I don't want to hear is I don't want to hear managers complaining about that because that's a decision they make. They we are. overplay this a bit, I think, you know, because like men have done it for years. Men have done it in different sports for years. You know, basketball players have played GA, played two games in one weekend. So why is this big issue? Um, you know, Tipperary players have done it. Water players have done it. Megan Tyne does it in Meath. Players do it. We should definitely shouldn't see the two organisations, women's football and the ladies, putting fixtures on on the same day. But I think the, the, they're, they're fighting now. At the level we're at, we're all want, we all want to see things live on television. We want to see players live on television. So if they're competing for dates, there are going to be clashes. And
0: surely players are going to have to make choices. I think that's a sign of the progression of women's sport as well Absolutely. in that I mean I know for an example people would say oh you play multi-sport and I like to think in 10-15 years there'll never be another Luis Galvin not because <laughs> I want to be unique and there's plenty like me but because I'd like to think each individual sport has progressed so much that you can't take up rugby in your mid-twenties and become a captain international because it has just evolved that much um, and I think if ladies football and camogie are both going to continue in the vein that they are But maybe there is a case of if you're going to play a game, a high intensity, high tempo game for 65 plus minutes on a Saturday, that there's 15 better players more than likely, unless you're an absolute superstar that can take to the field the following day. And as you say, if you're bringing in TV rights into it, um, that adds another whole other, uh, I suppose, organization that has a lot of say because if, you know, a big thing is that getting that exposure and that was a lot of the 2020 campaign as well. And we have to give them that space. And unfortunately, if we're only starting to get exposure, TV exposure for the earlier rounds, um, now in Camogie and Ladies Football, well, we might have to take the the less popular slots because that's where you start and that's where you begin so i'm not saying it's the end of the dual pair but there is probably going to be more and more um barriers and in ways legitimate barriers such as the development and progression of the individuals playing the game the commitment required and probably that increased media and tv exposure as well
1: libby coppinger did say um an interview with the examiner there when this was all highlighted what maybe a month and a half ago that look if it gets to the stage where the training demands in both codes are unsustainable, but then I've no. This is Libya. I'm calling Libya. I've no problem. I, I'll pick a code. I, I've no issue with that. But she was saying, you know, it shouldn't. The barriers that that's preventing me from being a dual player shouldn't be shouldn't be two organisations she feels yeah. at the moment that she can manage yeah, to loads she's two very cooperative managers in Paul Day-Murray and Efi Fitzgerald she's saying you know the barrier shouldn't be the dates and, and she has is no issue and the others have said they've no issue playing a match on a Saturday and a match on a Sunday and you make a fair point Louise with regard to you know if you've expended yourself on, on a Saturday or the 15 better players on you on, on a Sunday in, in better physical condition Whereas well, she's willing to put her hand up for that to, to play both games and I, I do believe for the time being you know that should always be facilitated um because i don't think you know there, there are enough days in the calendar where you can you can play a camogie match on a saturday and a ladies football match on a on a sunday and i, I just think there's, there's better organization required between the two associations um and we also have to we can't forget about the the club players either the dual club player mm-hmm. because so many of them mm-hmm. we saw and i'm sure we, we'll get to this in a while Ferrari. we saw what happened with care yeah in temporary yeah. yeah. you know yeah. you know if if, if if the dual player becomes distinct <coughs> at inter-county level then does the conversation. Does that conversation disappear club level with regard to what happened? Because that needs to be highlighted. Because you know if that's not highlighted, then that becomes acceptable in every county in Ireland, and that's not fair on any um, on any player. Whatsoever. No, and you're
4: right, you're right on. It should it, it at club level it should never happen. I mean, county boards. It's very interesting. Dublin ladies football and Dublin Camogie have a working group, and they have had a working group I think for the last two years, and they work together to make sure that there's no clash of fixtures at local club level. I think that should operate in every county and by the way I'm not knocking anybody who's playing dual I just think the level of training and as I think it's going to become actually a welfare issue down the road because Trish covering covering men's GA for years we've seen that dual players have died out you know.
2: I just feel there are so many different strands uh, to this issue First of all, I think there aren't enough days in the week to accommodate the <laughs> of both ladies football and camogie. It's as simple as that. Because what you have now, as against going back years ago, is you have back doors, you have group matches. Um, if there's replays, if the weather is bad and the game has to be rescheduled. So every, a, a fixture list goes out the window when things like this happen. Now, I also think that uh, the dual player, I've seen it this year, where dual players, we won't mention any names, but dual players missing out because of their dual involvement. Mm. Now, I also feel there's another side to this, and I feel it's very difficult on the players to make a decision. Who am I going to play with? Mm. You have within a county, a very strong Komogi team and a very average ladies football team. Do I play with the strong team? Because... You know, I, I have a better chance of maybe winning an All-Ireland medal. Do I stay with the other team? Obviously, if you're a dual player, you're talented. Do I stay with them? Do I try and help them to progress? Look, here in Cork, we've had the issue as Owen has pointed out, but the managers have worked together. What about a county where managers won't work together? I just feel that there are so many, so many different issues to be addressed here. Certainly at club level, I think it's possible, but look, I think it's looking more likely at inter-county level that it is not possible to play the two codes.
4: And I think Louise's point is well about that fact that the developmental level has got so much higher and... and and girls are going into you know that level of elite sport much younger. So I'm thinking of somebody like Zara Foley, for example, with Cork City, who was brilliant at loads of sports and she was younger. So Saoirse Noonan has managed it, but I think slightly the next generation down, they will they will have people saying to them, you know, you need to specialise because you want to get on an Irish team or a Cork team or whatever. It is. So I think I think we are going to see less and less of it. But as you say, there's a ton of awful choices that complicate, them. and also mm-hmm. a, a bigger competition schedule as well. Trey's great point. It does change things, and it has changed things. The old knockout days were easier for organisations. Thing, but I think the live live TV has also complicated things because Camogie is getting more live TV now, and um, that is going to change. That that that's making things harder, isn't it?
3: The whole area of the organisations coming together. I think that would either solve or maybe even complicate a lot of these issues. But um, <laughs> I don't know how long we, we probably need it. we need a full two hour Delo style uh, podcast to, to get to the bottom of it like plus, um, I don't know maybe maybe we might as well touch briefly on it now. Do you all think like that the Camogie Ladies Football should be under the umbrella of the of the GA? I mean, I i I'm I'm reading in, in American sports and even internationally there's there's a there's a view that women should come out from under the umbrella of FIFA and get to get a fair deal, you know. Um, like the you couldn't say that women's soccer in Ireland has necessarily thrived under the FAI either you know so I mean to to railroad the Komogi Association and uh, the LGFA in under the umbrella of the GA is it is it fair to say that they should do it
2: I, I just throw in a question there to add to that which I think is probably uh, something that's complicating all of this is where where does the, the various identities go I think that's a fear within ladies football and Komogi um, you know the identity who's going to be president of this organization you know, within the three organizations, the presidents last for three years. So how is it going to work if you if you merge ladies football, if you merge Camoge and you merge uh, the GA? I, I just think that's an issue because I think this has going on about 20 years. You know, I was looking back yesterday. It's not it's not going back, you know, recently. It's going back. The centennial Mogi was celebrated in 2004. And I can recall it actually coming up around that time. So look, you know... Why are we maybe nearly 20 years later and we're still just hovering around this issue? I think, sure. I, I think there's a terrible presumption there
4: that going in and under one umbrella will mm-hmm. solve every problems. And I would always direct people back to just even a couple of things in recent years. Women's rugby went in under the IRFU in recent years. Um, one of the things that happened was the IRFU hosted the World Cup. The World Cup they held... In UCD, not down the road in Dannybrook, but in UCD, they could have taken it down to Dannybrook very easily, bust the players and teams up and down to Dannybrook, literally down the road, it would have cost a bit more money. I felt there was a huge lack of ambition exhibited there for that World Cup and I felt that the IRFU had a chance to take a lead on that really and showcase the women's rugby much better than, than they did. Um, And I know Louise probably talked about this. She has experience, obviously, of working in the RFU and in the sevens program. But that's one example, even even last week the FAI, one of the great things this year I think has been, <laughs> the irony of it, no no live sport or we're not allowed to go watch live sports, so we've seen a lot more women's uh, team sport on television, and we're talking about the women's team sport a lot here, which isn't fair to other sports But it just seems to be where the greatest in- inequality is, so we've seen way more I, I've loved how we've seen more streaming, I've loved how clubs and how NGBs, national government bodies have stepped up and streamed things and we've actually seen women in action way more but The under-17 FAI League Cup last week, you know, there was a live streaming on. There was horrendous, you know, just disgusting sexism on the comments page. It wasn't being run by the FAI. It was obviously being run by a third party, but it was just amazing. I thought that that happened to stay there while it was live and how it wasn't caught quicker. They took it down, obviously, clearly afterwards as well. So going in under the umbrella, doesn't solve everything. It takes very strong leadership. I think Vera Powell with the FAI is a great example of that. You know, got that chartered a plane. I know COVID helped but chartered yeah, a plane for that huge yeah. Ukraine game. It needs it needs the people who are, who are still involved there to take real strong leadership because there is a danger that you will c- come in and they'll pay lip service. But actually, will you get an equal share? And I could talk all day about allyship and about where the men should be stepping up as well. Remember in the FAI, um, uh, Tommy Martin wrote a great piece for the Examiner this year, you know, for Irish, the Irish international representation the men get two grand for a competitive game, a grand for a friendly the women still get 250 quid for playing for, for Ireland, you know and, and where's the allyship from the men there where are they speaking out and saying, you know this shouldn't be happening. I just don't see that in a lot of these sports and I always remember at that Women's World Cup I know the tickets were, there were so few tickets people couldn't go to the games. I met people up there trying to get tickets because it was in UCD and there wasn't, there were literally, there were more people who wanted to go than and then they had, you know, the space for, because they chose to make it smaller than it
1: could have been. Before Louise comes in and she, she might answer this as well, it's going back to Trace's point with regard to identity and the fear over Losing identity, you know, the LGFA brand and the Komogi Association, if we all, if it all becomes the one umbrella, you know, who who really cares about identity? Who, who does that matter most to? Is it the players or is it official? Because I, I would think, and Louise, you can answer this, you know, that players would be most concerned about something as simple as where is the match going to be on? And knowing well in advance, where is the match going to be on and, and knowing that that venue cannot be taken away from them. You know, Kira Sullivan, the Cork ladies footballer, made the very pertinent point that, you know, men, you know, the, the Cork senior footballers can tell her six months in advance where their Munster semi-final is going to be played. She doesn't know until the Wednesday before Cork and Kerry where that's going to be played. And that's subject to a, a coin toss, as was the case this year. So something as simple as that, you would think that that would be an obvious benefit to an amalgamation. Um, so I, I just don't know if players are really that bothered with, with the the idea of, of identity. that. They just want to see, you know, very basic improvements like we know where we're playing, that can't be taken off us. And you know, we'll no longer be treated as second class citizens because we've as much right to pitches as as the lads do. I don't know, Louise, do you feel do you feel is that, is that something you you pick up on or my on my way off?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, as a GA player, I don't think coming under the umbrella of the GA I would feel a loss of identity, but maybe I'm not seeing the full um, Picture that Therese, um was suggesting that we might might uh, feel. Um, look, I think it's important in all of this not to bash any of like the LGFA or the Camogie Association or any um, representative bodies that just represent female sport because they're all they're all you know a lot of them are volunteers. At the end of the day, doing their best. I think the and certainly in the case of the LGFA, I mean the growth in terms of. Um, the TV exposure and the attendances, which was going year on year in the All-Ireland Finals, been huge. I think it's a case of going back again to the point of the dual player, the sport, the tactics, the level of fitness, the level of skill that we see, certainly I'm speaking about LGFA um, or Ladies Gaelic Football is at such a level that is it outgrowing this and association doesn't technically have access to its own pitches. And that is nothing that the association can do about it. I definitely take Theresa's point about, OK, if we go into the GA, you know, are we just ab- absorbed into an association and we have no actual real say, only a bit of lip service? And I think that's why we might be better off doing it now than 20 years ago when this first came about, because nowadays, if we were just absorbed in and there was no females on um, on, a, a, on a board um, or, you know, how how it would be set up, there'd be a lot more, I think, equality about it, or there should be. Um, because I don't think it's a case of, okay, you can just come in under our umbrella and you can sit there and be quiet, because I just don't think it'll be accepted in this there'd be a demand. Age. There'd
3: be a demand on a government yeah. level. And to get funding, there'd be a demand that, that that's, yeah. uh, there'd be equality in a, on a board level. And
0: I I think another point to make, which is kind of go back to what Cliona was saying about, um for example, the match fees um, in Irish soccer. Like women, you know, that we see the WGPA, the GPA obviously um, joined up. And one of the things is female athletes are not trying to take money off male athletes. They're not saying you get this amount off a grant and I only get this amount. We need to meet in the middle. We're just trying to either close the gap. We're trying to move up, but we're not trying to pull anyone down with it. Now you could say the money has to come from somewhere if, or if you're moving up, it means we're not moving up because it's going to you. But I think in this day and age, again, I feel like it's only male players. You're asking them to to get up and to speak about it and to stand mm-hmm. up, and it's difficult because it's only they're so all encompassing, like athletes, female, male. Doesn't matter, are the most selfish people there are. And I say that as one because all all you are told to be ready to perform at you're You're not really worried about the athlete down the road who's a different gender or the athlete in a different country or whoever it is. Your job is to be prepared and to be able to perform to the best of your ability. It's only I find when male athletes either maybe start to go out with someone in a in a similar um, you know, someone on an account team and see that they put in. Close to the same, if not more, hours, and actually have a lot less to show for it. Or um, if they have daughters and all of a sudden they're looking at, well, I want my daughter to go and play performer. If they have a daughter and a son, like I, I was at a, um, an event with Peter Canavan and he spoke about how his daughter and son were both going with their own underage teams to the same, to the centre of excellence in Zagaravahi. The son was picked up on a bus, collected. Gave, given gear, fed, dropped back, and his daughter was a year apart, had to be dropped, had to pay to use the facilities, didn't get any gear and wasn't fed afterwards. Um, and it, that opened up his eyes to hang on a second, this isn't like they're both wanting to do the same thing. But he, would he be aware of that if he didn't have a son and daughter who are both interested in trying to do the same thing? And unfortunately for most inter-country players, the male inter or male athletes, I should say, they probably don't exist, that they have some very close link where they're seeing very closely what someone's putting in and what they're not getting out of it
4: yeah I, I like one of the things I think is great is that the WGPA and GPA have gone together because I remember being astounded a few years ago when I heard on one of these road shows I heard a, a very high profile intercounty county male player saying I never knew before that women don't get expenses I thought how could you not know that? How could you be playing inter-county for 15 years and not know that your female colleagues and you're absolutely right because, absolutely because don't athletes, know. yeah, athletes are totally focused on themselves. But I thought it was really interesting to see. I think all the meet too and the can't be, can't see, and the 20 by 20, like this has raised awareness. That's the one great thing about all this. You're right. Um Either they have to experience it in their own family, through their daughters or through their sisters or through their gar- partners or whatever it is. Or I noticed Brian O'Driscoll recently. I thought uh, at the finale, final event for 20 by 20, I thought O'Driscoll was very good and very strong. Um, and I'd seen him tweet something and I thought, oh, that's pure lip service, you know, that looks trendy. But actually he was very strong that day and really good on it. He has a daughter and he was really good on the media thing. And he was making the point that, good women seem to have to win things before they get media coverage, whereas it can be really crap man and people write about you all the time. And I thought it was a really good point he made. Um, So that allyship is needed. So I think often, often retired, people who've retired from the game actually have time then to sit back and look at the equality issue. And I think that's really interesting. But there's been great leadership. And I think like somebody like Justin Rose this year, who during the lockdown, when he discovered that women's golf in Europe were losing all their tournaments, put up money, not much, but put up money and said, okay, we're going to, himself and his wife said, okay, she knew a few female golfers. We're going to set up a few tournaments for them. And I think that kind of allyship, we've seen it with Andy Murray in tennis as well. Mm. It's really, really important. As much as it is for women to speak out, I think um, if we if we want equality and you know the history of feminism is the same, we need men to be equally involved. And that's not putting pressure on them. I'm just saying that you know it really helps when they do it, particularly if they have a profile. I think
3: we're all we're all a bit guilty of of getting a bit of an awakening when we have um, daughters. A lot of us anyway, you know. Um, (laughs) We kind of see things uh, that we we didn't see before. You know, I I noticed it from even just from when they're all collecting match attacks in school like it's just you know where do you get a where do you get a match attacks of a of a woman footballer you know they just see all the nine-year-olds are training you might see the boys you know to be wearing premier league jerseys like the girls they don't tend to like
0: but larry one huge bugbear of mine i sound like a, a right complainer now is that even if you go to a, a sports shop um and i don't want to name specific sports shops because there's some more that you know one in particular has changed They'll use male athletes and this is worldwide and they'll use female pop stars. And mm. like it just like cop on. I'm so sick of seeing I don't care if Rita Ora is wearing it. I'm not gonna buy some an Adidas kit because Rita Ora is wearing it because you know she doesn't tell me that it does what I needed to do to train. But I'll see, you know, a, a male rugby player there advertising the kit. Um, and again, it's not the male rugby player's fault. I this is not about male bashing, it's about culture shifting and that's about sponsors as well i, yeah. I remember
4: i remember seeing rebecca alderton um, i was at a thing in england a couple of years ago and she spoke about this exact thing and she was saying it's so frustrating for female athletes elite female athletes who won medals at the olympics and you come back and you don't get a contract but some pop star gets a contract with the sports uh, with the, with the leisure brand and you're going what the hell's going on there um so it, corporations have have responsibility and i think actually one of the good things through social media and everything else in recent years is that corporations are becoming much more aware of of their of their corporate duty um and they tend to now have somebody who's in charge of equality or looking at um you know anything that they can be doing so i think that's really interesting and the 20 by 20 campaign had a bit of power because it had five big huge sponsors behind it and companies now i think are starting to take this more seriously and i think probably you'd have seen that change as well since your time playing for cork
2: yeah, and I'm kind of glad we've gone back to, I suppose, what you know we started out talking about was the 20 by 20. And um, you know, one aspect of that was the 20% increase in media coverage. But you you touched on something there, Clana, um, about Brian O'Driscoll. And it's something I also I feel it every time I'm watching women's sport. You know, you said Brian O'Driscoll mentioned that they get publicity no matter how good or bad they play. But I always feel, and I suppose, look, camogie was my sport, and when, particularly when I'm at All-Ireland Finals, I, I, I feel a bit nervous in case it's going to be one-sided, that it's not going to be the spectacle that it should be, because I feel, okay, this is our, our you know, to showcase what the sport is all about. And if we go back to the, it was, I think it was termed kind of the super Saturday, wasn't it? You mm-hmm. had the soccer final um, on the 12th of December and you had the Komogi final that evening. And I arrived in Crow Park and I heard the result of the soccer. I recall, I think it was six nil, was it? Mm. And I thought, oh God, that's, that's not good. You know, if we, have, if, we, if we have a bad Komogi final, what is this going to be termed? You know, I felt under pressure. That Komoge needed to deliver a really good final. And you always feel under pressure watching women's game, that you have to, it has to be a really good um, spectacle for people to talk positively about it, because otherwise there's a fear on social media, you know, that people would joke about,
0: mm, you know, what's that yeah. all
2: about? It doesn't happen in the men's game.
0: And that's an unfair pressure to raise on players because the men aren't going out thinking, well, we've got to make sure this is a good final now. They're just thinking, I'll oh, just go out and win. I don't care if it's a point to nil. Yep. But there yep. absolutely is that added pressure. And I remember thinking the Dublin-Galway Dublin final, ladies' football final 2019, I was so disappointed. Obviously, the weather was horrendous, but it was just such a poor final. And I thought these players were so much better than that. I was disappointed because I just had this feeling of how many people are tuning in today to watch this match. And now they're turning away going, ah, tripe, you know, because... It just wasn't a great game. And that is another aspect or tangent we can go on in that in terms of that increased media um exposure it, it can't be just reporting on games now um, it has to be that kind of level of almost interrogation of results and and performances and something not being up to standard and we should be welcoming that as female athletes because it's a sign of progression when there is that amount of almost this is you know that's the standard of the game wasn't great Whereas i can imagine i don't know owen for example um as a, a male journalist would you feel in any way under pressure to write, for example, something maybe not scathing, but um, negative about the standard of a of a game if females are participating in participating in it, because that shouldn't
1: exist if we're really progressing. No, 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 I'd be I'd be blunt.
0: You're scathing
1: on everyone (laughs) else. Male or female. Um, There's, there's there's plenty of uh Camogie players here in Golly who um uh, testify to that. Like I, I started with the, the local paper here, the Conic Tribune, and I was covering Komogi for um for four years before I um I joined the examiner and no there'd be plenty of Komogi players and managers now who wouldn't have um who wouldn't have liked what I would have said. So but I, I just think the the only not the only, you know, games aren't given sufficient space um to be critical. Where I would feel the All-Ireland finals and the All-Ireland semi-finals? Because when it comes to the, the round robin games, the early stages, they're given, you know, such a, a small piece of the paper um, that you don't have the space to, to be critical. And in, in a lot of cases, it's just a roundup of the games. You know, in, in the group stages of the Camogie Championship or the, the yeah, the, and the group stages of the ladies' football championship, you know, what we tend to see are just wraps or very small match reports. So you, you can really expect nothing else but scoreboard journalism where you give out the score, you have three or four powers of what happened, teams and scores. It's not that we get to the semi-final stage or the final stage where you're given the half page or the full page or the double page spread, that you really have the space to be critical. And I suppose that's where we need to see the incremental improvement where greater coverage of the games at the beginning of the championship and everything isn't focused on, on the latter stages of the, the championship. But just going back to I suppose, your point, Louise, and, and Trace's point with regard to the, the pressure on players and you know, how the the whole Camogie year is focused on the final. Looking in from the outside, I would think that's changing. Now, you might all disagree with me. The fact that we have the two semifinals live on television, the fact we have the two quarterfinals live on television, and then this year we have the live streaming of games. So I would think that's changing. And obviously that's a positive that that's changing, that we're no longer just seeing one Camogie game a year. We're seeing a scoreline of nine points to eight. There's 57 frees you know, and 56 of them were freeze, and, and we're all giving out and saying, you know, this is a terrible product and a terrible advertisement for the game. So I would think that's changing. Like we saw it this year, you know, with the live streaming, we saw the goal at Cork game in Pierce Stadium. We saw Becky Henley cutting over two sideline cuts. Yeah. If you yeah. didn't have the live streaming, you wouldn't see that. We wouldn't be talking about Becky. You know, we're now putting Becky on par with what Joe Canning's doing, which is fantastic and, and uh, fantastic. And there's equality in terms of, of scale, and she's getting the same respect as he's getting, and rightly so. But if we didn't see Becky do that, we wouldn't be talking about it. So again, I suppose it just comes back to that, that fantastic slogan. slogan yeah, and
4: one, and one thing I'd say, Larry, that I've noticed in recent years as well, and I'm at this a long time, is that I have noticed that for all Ireland finals, now it hasn't changed further down, but for all Ireland finals now, I noticed that most of big media organisations, their main ga correspondent
2: that's and true. that was something Absolutely. that didn't happen
4: before Absolutely. and i think that's a really interesting change um so that means that they are understanding that there's a quality here that it needs proper analysis that you give it you give it the top job you give it to the top person the person who's best at covering this and i think that's changing the 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 audience figures that you know we need to increase obviously audiences regularly to to make a difference with all of this but i think culture is changing i think bbc it's interesting in england now they're just talking about uh bbc have the women's uh, super league on a red button but they're now doing, going to do a deal from from next year on that they're going to have more live women's matches and their their magazine program for women's attracts it, it half a million on a sunday night or over over whoever tapes it and watches it and again if you build the audience people tend to make room for you, but it's this chicken and egg all the time. How do you build the audience? You know? but like Louise, you've right. seen it with the rugby getting live, you know, six nations games are live. And like the reality is I would say, okay, women's team sports are viewed through this comparative prism of men's sports. That's the problem for them. But yeah. if the quality of it rises, which we've seen particularly, I think in camogie in recent years and in ladies football, then people start to appreciate it. And I think we are seeing that. And I think it's, you know, it's women's soccer in America is a classic example of that, you know, where they get the numbers and they get the TV contracts because people have come to accept and see. And and that Women's World Cup, England making the semifinals, that changed again because they could see the women's players. That changed the culture a bit in England now. And I think before lockdown, I thought it was really interesting I was watching, um, I watched the WSL whenever I could see it, and you could see that, I could see that there were more men in the audience in the, on the terraces, which mm. I thought was...
3: Like, I mean, isn't though? I mean, standards is kind of nearly a red herring as well. It's like the easy excuse that, yeah. mainly men use not to watch women's sport, They just say the standards is poor. And in a way, like, it's more, prob- isn't it more about affinity or sort of some kind of identification with it? I mean, I'd watch the Arsenal women before I'd watch, as an Arsenal fan, I'd watch the Arsenal women before I'd watch the Burnley men, for instance. God knows I'd watch the Arsenal women before the Arsenal men at this stage because they're so uh, <laughs> the
2: Men are having a nightmare. But, but Larry, I
4: mean, it, you know, it's that, who, who do you make the decision to go to see? Or who do you make the decision to turn on? And and it actually made it easier for us that we could see them on the screen this year. And we didn't have to make a decision about going out to a match. We could see them. Or we, could, we could double screen or triple screen, which, you know, was mm-hmm. interesting um i think the friday night lights thing actually i thought the women's football moving their games to friday night again clever idea could it i didn't hear any players complaining but like championship games on a friday night for women okay that there's players have to make decisions there it makes it harder them they have to get to games and everything but does it create a bigger audience because people on a friday night love a friday night game we've seen the success with actually Dublin men and also with the League of ireland so I thought that was a really yeah. sort of the sort of creative decision that I'm looking for women organisations to be making to be creative and see how
2: can we change how can we change you know that's thinking outside the box and Saturdays and Sundays would be the prime day, days for your sport obviously you know they're, they're the days that you want to play but playing on a Friday night frees up pitches as well mm-hmm. but, um, you know I know a few Komogi county boards own their own pitches Um, But it would be far and few between. So, you know, looking for a pitch on a Saturday afternoon, and I'm sure we're going to touch on, you know, we can't but touch on the Cock Galway farce, you know, before we go because, you know, it was so disappointing. But looking for pitches on a Saturday or a Sunday um, is very difficult. But pitch availability on a Friday night, it's not really a training night, is something I think certainly um, it should be looked at and just going back to the the Camogie final um, it was played on the Saturday night now I did notice that night in the press box in Crow Park the amount of um, media personnel that were there I had never seen such a group of, of reporters, and Kleena, you were there as well, and they were their top reporters. And it actually, it was great, great to see it. But I'm not sure, was it because it was the first of the adult All-Irelands and they wanted to see how it was going to work? Was it because it was on a Saturday night? Um, or was it because of the turbulent year that we had and there was nothing else on? I, I can't put my finger on the reason. Able, and any are all three. And I'd like to think it was the force that they all wanted to be there, and you know they just felt okay. Here we are, 2020. This is where we should be. And I'd hope that was the reason.
3: As yes, we might just maybe just um, just to touch overall on the 2020 campaign, like and, and how effective it has been. I, I just throw out the numbers that they they put out themselves over the over the length of the campaign. They said a 17% rise in participation, um, 34% in attendances, 50% more coverage. And they say 80% more aware of women's sport. Um, You'd nearly have to give them, like, the campaign a free pass on 2020 because obviously there was no attendances at most events and it lost momentum through the year anyway. Um, Like, how effective would you say overall the campaign was and will it have a lasting cultural impact, I suppose?
4: I think it was a brilliant marketing campaign that raised awareness. And I think it has seen a slight culture shift in that there is an understanding and and like you just say the words 20, 20, 20 by 20 now i mean hardly anybody i suppose look at i'm in that bubble i'm interested in this so i you know i'm very aware of it but i do think an awful lot of people identify with the 20 by 20 image i think um i think the can't be can't see which you know is an old feminist uh, line it comes from many 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 years ago that they used it but it, it and, and Billie Jean King used it back with with the tennis players when they were fighting for their independence and setting up their own organization. Um, I do think that that's associated, and I do think there is an awareness now that women don't get a fair shot in a lot of in a lot of their team sports. I I think it has raised awareness. Look, look at you. Look at the figures. You know. Still only five, on average, 5% of, of uh, n- newspaper coverage is women's sport. That It went up by a percent, uh, 6% online. I think online, actually, some online has been brilliant. And there's a huge capacity there for online because there's no space. There's no argument over space you know, and what the great stories, no matter what gender they are. Um, I get very frustrated. I got really frustrated, I have to say, around... June I would say I was fairly low because I was going 20 by 20 and yet all the nostalgia pieces we saw you know uh, media had nothing but nostalgia in sport to do for a whole three three four months and I would say 90 percent of it sorry I would say 95 percent of it was was male all all male nostalgia but some of the reason for that was because you, when you go into the records you can't find stuff about women's sport it doesn't exist larry you know i was doing a piece about dundalk ladies playing in the first soccer international you know you, you couldn't find stuff and i was in the irish newspaper archives it's not there and it's very interesting i saw clino O'Leary saying about rte saying that you know when they did that classic series during lockdown if it wasn't for 20 by 20 they might not have gone and chased up and put out the games but because they're now conscious that they have because they're a public service broadcaster they are they have upped their game and they went and looked and i think they i think it was a 38 percent female of their of their classics that they put out so look at i despair sometimes when i see the figures but i also despair sometimes when i see the numbers i just think it's about people understanding the difference between men and women's team sports at, at times and appreciating both for what they are and stuff
1: them awareness for me is um is, is the big thing and i think we saw that figure i think it's 84 percent of men are, are more aware um during during the first lockdown like everyone else we were doing zoom quizzes um we we had a zoom quiz every thursday night and when it came to to my my week to host i um, and it was an all male quiz there was five male participants i threw in a women in sport round um, man, I, I, <laughs> I knew I knew it would like I knew it would drive the lads insane, but we knocked great crack out of it. And the scores were um, the scores were remarkably high. The lads really surprised themselves because they, they didn't think they knew these things, but like when you asked them what the score was of Ireland, Ukraine, and Talla Stadium, they had all watched it. Because if women's sport is on television, these are sports people at the end of the day, they'll sit down and watch it. And they were asked what the score was in the women's hockey World Cup final. And they knew it because they'd watched it. Um, so if these things are, are put in front of us, we will watch it. So the lads, you know, while, you know, they might be the greatest advocates, shall we say. Maybe I'm phrasing that poorly. You know, if, if it's there in front of them, they will watch it as with any sports person. So like, when we have greater awareness, we have more conversations um, and, and we, we talk with the injustices that are there and they come to light and corrective action is, is taken. So I think every conversation is positive even if the subject matter of the conversation is of a very negative, that would be my feeling anyway.
4: That, I mean, just to interject us on that one, I have, a, I have a niece and her husband who's a great guy, mad Liverpool fan. Um, whenever anything goes into extra time and penalties now, he just says, he tweets me, he goes, McFarentine. time. And I just think that's a cultural change. You know, a couple of years ago, he knew nothing about Irish women's hockey and he certainly didn't know how brilliant the goalie was. And now uh, penalty shootouts are McFerrin time.
3: Well, Therese is notoriously responsible for all games going to extra time that the examiner covered, like, because...
2: Uh... Yes, I've had a run. Look, I'll just... I'll just um, what I want to say about it, I do feel 2020, certainly, there was more um, awareness of women in sport. Look, women play every sport. I mean, it's not just, you know... Yeah it's here and there I and mean, we've got to realize that and respect it every single sport women play it the same as men and um, i just think you know we have to continue what we're doing and i think obviously 2020 was a turbulent year and i think we'll see the real progress if it's there we'll see it in 2021 2022 it's got to keep building
4: i think i think what louise yeah. is saying is where we'll see the real progress louise this is where you'll know is is to see young girls knowing who these players are and knowing that that's who they want to follow and also seeing the Bevine Parsons and that seeing in Irish rugby, young girls, we've now got a generation of young rugby players who are playing rugby because it's available to them, you know, because there was success at an international level, available now in their clubs and we're seeing, you, you must be seeing this younger generation of rugby players so they have the opportunity now as well.
0: Yeah, and that's a huge part of it. I mean, I know growing up, um, my role models were all male because that's all that was available to me um and I suppose when you're trying to dream of who you want to be there was there was Sonia Sullivan or Michelle Smith but I I wasn't much of a a swimmer or a runner um so I think it's incredible now that younger athletes they have so much more visibility of who who they can be whether it's a a Bavin Parsons or Amy Murphy Crow, or if they're watching someone like Amy Mack and I mean Oh, if you want, if you want to watch highlights of goals this year, like forget, not forget your con accounts again. I don't want to be. It's not about male match bashing, but, um, I don't think there is a male footballer with the highlight reel that Amy MacKen will have this year. Um, and just to even touch on that, I mean, with the twenty by twenty campaign, again, it's a bit similar to what you said, Kina. I feel like it was super successful because it was everywhere. But again, that's reflective of all the people I follow in my timeline and being in the bubble. The real, I suppose, barometer is if paddy in west mayo is aware of the 20 by 20 campaign and to a certain extent we might not be fully aware of that until 2021 2022 and the momentum that has been gathered i mean when you look at stats are a wonderful thing i did a master's recently and you can make them say you know that the numbers are great <laughs> in terms of oh the percentage increases but Cleaner, you bring it back to reality there when you say well actually we've actually only gone to five percent of um whether it be broad uh, broadsheet is it in six percent of online media coverage so they're still in incredibly low numbers of the overall total so there's still so much more that needs to be done and the momentum that has been created it needs to be harnessed and it needs to be um, it needs to explode even more and that is true all the different strands that we've mentioned such as organizational such as bringing our male counterparts along and hoping that they'll advocate for us it's it's us as players and as athletes constantly pushing our own standards and our own commitment level because unfortunately we have to keep banging on the door to, to be heard so that we can um, I suppose, toe the line for the next generation and that they necessarily won't have to do the, the
1: same uh, Louise, the, the point you made earlier about the jerseys, you know, if a 10 year old Armagh girl sees enough of Amy Macken on television, if there's enough games put on television that she can see Amy Macken every second weekend, it won't take someone in a boardroom in a sports shop to say, we need to be putting female jerseys on the rack. It will take the 10 year old father going into the shop in Armagh and saying, have you a jersey with Macken on the back? My daughter's mad phone. And there'll be others in other sports shops, and, and that will tell the people that, hey, you know, we need to start putting these jerseys on the racks because there is the demand there. It won't take someone high up. It shouldn't take someone high up. It'll be it'll be coming from the it'll be coming from the bottom up, and people going into the shop. And there's a demand because these are their role models, and they have role models that they can visualise and see every every weekend. I think that's a great point,
3: Don. Like in, in a way, and it's kind of nearly a cynical point in a way that it will be commercial pressures that will that will drive a lot of the improvements. And then I see. Even the new the Cork City jersey launch, like Sarah Noonan was front and center there of the, the Cork City jersey launch lately. And I'd say the main reason was because she was the best known of the three in the in the picture, you know, not to mind any kind of box ticking exercise of getting one of the women's players yeah. in there. Like she was the most famous, well-known face in that in that photo shoot. Like I see that with the the Arsenal Adidas video that went viral lately. I mean, Midamar and and Steph Cately and, and Co. were in it, and they would have as big a social media following is a lot of the lesser Arsenal players as well, you know? I mean, so, like, you're driving... A lot of this is to drive revenues as much as anything else, and, like, the commercial pressures will... will will help to, to sort of drive these kind of improvements, you, you would hope. But,
4: but but there'll still be, like... When you look at what happened with the Irish Women's Rugby jersey this year, you know, a company who... Sets about... Was that a big sigh from Louise <laughs>
2: That was a big sigh. Oh, my God. That was a big sigh.
4: <laughs> and that's my question about... Coming under one umbrella takes us back into the umbrella because I would have thought, surely they they would understand that to launch the women's jersey in a different way than the men's jersey would be a no-no. And yet they did it. If you do go in under the umbrella, it really is about intelligent leadership, you know, and people understanding what's acceptable and what's not acceptable.
0: I don't know. I don't know what happened. I mean, I remember sending a private message to one of um, our media guys going, what the hell is going on? and I think was more put back at the the shirt, the shirt manufacturer. Um but like an, even as another example, um I'm a, a physio as well and I was looking one at a sports conference this year from an Irish association. They were putting up and advertising this big online sports conference of the elite athlete and they put up six or seven different athletes um not known just in uh, not not that they were well known athletes. Um, but every single one of them was male, so I was kind of saying. So this, what this conference is telling me is that either every elite athlete is male, or this is only for male elite athletes. And sure enough, and I do, sometimes I just have to bite my tongue and say, like, is this just visual to me or to other females? And after about a month, the poster was changed because it was out months in advance. Yeah, unfortunately, it's, it just does, it doesn't stick to specific sports organizations. That's medicine. That's health. Um, it's it's a whole culture shift, is what. People like us are all trying to um, gradually change and challenge mindsets.
4: I think social media is brilliant for that now because yeah. people get, you know, get called out. What is a challenge? I prefer to say it is, they do, do get called out on it and there is reaction quicker and, and corporations and businesses now are much more conscious of this because they're not let away with it anymore as they shouldn't be. So, you know, the same with the, with the ladies football semifinal and, and the, the, the fiasco or debacle whatever you want to call it you know when mistakes are made they have to people have to own up to them and say yeah we screwed up completely that's what happened in the case of the rugby jersey as well and I you know look at you look around and I saw Leinster when Leinster launched their jerseys their new jerseys this year when Munster launched their jerseys they had male and female players there, equally yeah. at the launch, and that's the way it should be.
0: What's good as well, clean, is they're spreading the love. You know, they're spreading the love in terms of it's not the same. Because that used to be the thing in whatever sport it was, you'd have two or three players, and they mightn't even be performing the the best anymore. But the two or three are known in each sport. Whereas now it's getting much more diverse, and we're going to younger players, and again, more exposure, um, more. Um, yeah, I suppose the more TV exposure, there's a lot more than two or three players because again, we're talking about team sports generally here a lot. I, I just wanted to say on on and again, you know, says it, it we're not bashing here, but it's important
2: to highlight, you know, what happened with the Cork Galway ladies football match. But I suppose look look at the positives that did come out of it. You know, if that happened five years ago, you know, would we have heard so much about it, and would it have been, dare I say, even more more accepted? But you know, what, what, what struck me was how people came out and spoke about it everywhere, you know, which, which had to be a good thing. But look, that should never ever that game should never even have been fixed for Limerick. To me, that's where the mistake was made first day, because there was a very strong possibility um, that Limerick were going to be in the All-Ireland final, so fixing the game for Limerick it just you know, just beggared belief for me that they actually took a chance and putting it there and then looked to go to, Do- look it was just one fiasco after another, but look I mean we spoke about it for so so long the, the real pity there was that that day in Dublin, Cox scored 217 in a football match and I don't think anybody mentioned it
1: yeah. If, the two, if sorry, the two associations if they were all under one umbrella, would that have been a double header from the get-go and you would have avoided that problem? Well, am, I, am I dreaming and thinking that, or would that have been we well, never had we never had a, had an issue to begin with?
4: I think um, I think you wouldn't have, but you would have a dual player issue there because some, they are going to have to make choices. You know, I do think I'm sorry to come back to that one, but I do think the era of the female dual player in Gaelic games I think is fast disappearing, unfortunately, just because of the absolute commitment you know, that they give to the game and the level of training they're doing. But I think you're right. And that's what, you know, that shouldn't happen. Look, they were freak circumstances, absolutely freak circumstances. But Trace is right. It it should never have been fixed for Limerick. And we've never Mm. had it explained why it was fixed for Limerick. There certainly were, there seemed to have reasons why it couldn't go to several other venues. And some of them were stewarding. And the interesting argument being made apparently was that, Stewards in some of the venues would have been too busy watching the men's All Ireland that they wouldn't have been available to steward for the women's game. And that, and they're, they're that's
1: yeah. The and no, I'm probably sounding very pro pro amalgamation here. Like, if we again, if we were all in one association, would the GA have told Limerick County Board, or would Limerick County Board simply have known that we couldn't prioritize a men's training over a female All Ireland semi final? That they would have been told, no, sorry, here now, an All Ireland senior ladies football semi final. It is higher in 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 the ranking than a, a senior hurling training session because we're all under the one umbrella. The female has every you know every entitlement pitch or every much uh, entitlement pitch as a, as a male. So again, the game would have never been moved out of Limerick. It would have been kept for Limerick irrespective of of the involvement of the Limerick senior hurlers um, and their training session. You know that could have possibly again. That's just another. I I would think another benefit uh, to, to amalgamation to avoid all these these situations and, and large large. You, I'm not sure
0: you, that's fair on, on Limerick either because they're preparing for their final they have their set their routine um, I think we would have gotten a better solution on, but I I didn't like people kind of sticking the boot in Limerick because I felt like it sounded like it should never have been set there they said if we're in the final we're training that Sunday morning and 100% if I'm, if I'm in an Ireland final and my team are set to train on that morning I wouldn't be moving out for someone else necessarily if that's the way we have lined up to prepare Um. But if we're under the one umbrella, you'd imagine there would have been some sort of solution where times or something would have been changed. Maybe the move to a Saturday or, or whatever it may be. But certainly there would have been. You'd imagine a lot more collusion in solving it rather than you can't train here and now you have to move there. And find oh, yeah. basically. And no, I what wasn't I
1: wasn't knocking, I wasn't knocking the Limerick County Board. No, no, they what they did was, was perfectly right. They informed hmm. the LGFA out the out at the outset and said, Look, if our hurlers make an all-ireland semi-final they want to train on December sixth, they get to the pitch on December 6 They made that clear. I was just making point that if Limerick County Board were responsible for male and female players you know because we were all the one organization would they have prioritized a men's training session ahead of a, a female all ireland ladies football semi final that was, that yeah, was just, or, or, I, or I, I even on it.
4: It, it, it's about ambi- it's about ambition you know sometimes i think the players are now at a level where their ambition you know they don't they don't understand why anything should be an impediment and they and some of their administrators have come historically from where they've had to overcome so many impediments that asking another favour sometimes seems too much. You know, we heard how grateful they were to get, get into the park. My question yeah. was, same thing in Limerick, could they have changed it? I don't play in Limerick County Board. It's about the ambition of the people running the sport and just where where they've come from historically. Remember, as well, people don't seem to realise that I think as well, one of the things that an amalgamation would do is, hopefully, it would stop count, inter-county women's teams having to pay Use as the example you gave yeah. earlier, having to pay county uh, centers of excellence, you know, a farcical situation, you know, and I think that that's one thing at least it would help would be that they could, they could use the training and and share the training pitches Um, and they shouldn't, they're, they're using them now, but they're all having, most of them I think are having to pay for them.
1: Oh yeah, no, no, that, that cap in hand mentality need needs to change. And whether or not it comes about through amalgamation or not, that, that cap in hand mentality needs to change where you know the LGFA felt well, I don't know if it was felt is the right word, where they didn't think to ask the the GA could we put the, the, the Mayo Tipperary match back 15, 20 minutes, that their initial reaction was isn't this fantastic? We're getting into Crow Park, even if we have to go half an hour earlier. In my opinion, that that mentality needs to change. How how it changes is another issue, but it needs to change because the only people who are suffering because of it are the players.
2: At that late stage, just to finish that, I think their backs were to the wall. You know, they were running of out, of time, they were running out of days, and you know it, it, that's just what they they gave in to do that. It, you know, if it was different times and there was another week, we'd say to replay it or something or is it the Galway manager said he was sorry that he didn't walk off the field yeah yeah,
1: Yeah. walk off
2: yeah to, they'd have been forced to do something about it but look and look Limerick in my view as well were perfectly entitled to their grounds um, under the the present situation but what Owen was saying that
0: if it was all one
2: organisation would it have been different
0: yeah. yeah and I suppose it's difficult as well because I mean I, if you're someone from the GP, G.A. and you basically are faced with this dilemma of okay, the the ladies football association, Camogie association, want to come in under umbrella, but we want to come in with solid rights. I mean, you all you already before adding in a ladies football and Camogie, you already have a huge dilemma within the jig of constantly between the club and county. So you're now adding in more mouths to feed, and I'm not saying that they they shouldn't take it on board, but you know, they're already in a difficult position before they're trying to balance out huge um, fixture issues and now you're adding in a lot more rights for ladies football and camogie looking for access to pitches um, looking for then access to county centers of excellence and whether it be adding in more need for umpires or freeze officials Um, it's not going to be as easy as coming in and clicking our fingers either and i think that's important to to take on board too You'd, ho- you'd hope there'd be some sort of a moral obligation of, listen, it's 2021 now. Um, we need to have a li- little bit more equality. There's still going to be, um, maybe not reluctance, but we can't all go in banging our fists on the table saying we each organisation wants a third of, of the board. Mightn't be as easy as we'd imagine just because it's politically correct.
3: Well, like we probably won't solve it, I suppose, today. I'm just, um, <laughs> may- may- maybe just to wrap up, we might come back to where we started in terms of, if you'd all pick, maybe a highlight from the year, maybe a low light, which which we probably covered there a few minutes ago, and uh, maybe a wish for twenty twenty
0: one. My highlight would have been actually one of the lockdown days when sport was back up and running, and I was stuck in Dublin myself, and my husband and we watched I think it was England France rugby, Armagh um, Mayo football, and then the Katie Taylor fight. All ladies' sports. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great day. All brilliant um, international amateur team sport individual sport, and at the end of the day he turned to me he said that was brilliant that was just and it was all on tv we could see it and it was just you know if you build it they will come um so that was definitely one of my high points because I went to bed going you know we're really getting places um and there was just such talent on display and obviously you went to be the taylor winning again national treasure um and the pride um associated with that and then i think we we kind of covered the low point all right there um and then a wish is that you know i know one thing gladly we haven't spoken about much in this podcast is i don't think anyone's mentioned the word covid which is fantastic but unfortunately i'm going to bring it now one issue is that look obviously funding for sports in general are going to be down um for obvious reasons and i hope that female sport and girl sport doesn't suffer exponentially because of that more than the male sport or some of the promises that were in place for example i know in world rugby um, a huge drive has been in in investing in the women's game obviously for world rugby are going to be running into trouble because of games cancelled bums on seats not being there and i hope that doesn't fall back necessarily on the women's game specifically and also in all sports so that's my wish is that um we don't see a step stepwards back because of the national or the global pandemic
2: My highlight um, was just seeing sport being played after. (laughs) Um, I think the four months where we had no live sport made us all realize how much part of our life it is. And for all age brackets, you know, particularly, I suppose, for older people. And um, another highlight would be the streaming of matches. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. And I thought the fun um, at a lot of club matches when they were done locally and by clubs involved where you had maybe, you know, the the PRO doing it with a former player and they were a point down, coming down the home street. (laughs) I thought the, the fun and the crack and the excitement of all of that. And, you know, those those videos were played over and over for weeks on end after. And it was a great laugh, great fun. So for me, all of that, and I suppose what, what the GA did within their communities as well, when there was no sport, you know, how they got in and drove buses and how they went to pharmacies and collected prescriptions and brought food to people and took time out just to call to people, you know, social distance and, and to talk to them. Yeah, the lows. Look, we we discussed the lows. I suppose look, disappointment more than a law as well, that some of the championships weren't finished out. Um, you know, clubs got to a stage of county finals. You know, having overcome a lot of adversities and then not just to find out the week of it that, you know, they weren't able to play them. So, look, disappointment for those players and for the clubs um, that didn't get to play, you know, and, and in other sports as well who didn't see them out. And look, just the wish for 2021 going forward is that women's sport keeps going in the right direction, but that it keeps going on merit and that we don't constantly have to be pushing it.
1: Uh, in terms of a high point, yeah, look, I, I echo a lot of what Trey said there with regard to, to live streaming. You know, it was fantastic to be able to watch the, the Cork Senior Camogie Final on live stream. I was able to watch the Galway Senior Camogie Final on live stream. You know, I, I rang my sister that evening specifically to talk about the Galway Senior Camogie Final, and I was blown Cork. She was up here in Galway. Like, that just never would have happened before. So I think that's very much one of the positives to come out of, of COVID. Um. I think another highlight was that the Ireland-Ukraine ladies' football match, obviously the result was was a disaster um, and it effectively ended their knockout. But the day of the game, there was uh, uh, one of the WhatsApp groups on a part of, you know, there's equal representation, there's four men, there's four female. And we were WhatsApping right the way through the game. And and, and honestly, the men were, you know, almost more interested in the game than the women. And we were commenting on everything And I hadn't seen. You know, a, a female game to to draw that much attention from us. You know, we were just all so excitable about it, so disappointed about it. I I just I thought that was was symbolic of I suppose a step forward. This game we were able to watch. Where we in years previous, you know, Ireland's football qualifiers weren't on television. It was here, and we were all interested because again, it was put in front of us. So just obviously more of that. Um, and then I suppose the low point, yeah, we, we've, we've discussed all that, um, you know, what happened in care, what happened with Cork, Cork-Galway, all of that. Um, but, you know, going forward, maybe, you know, maybe, you know, it's a good thing that those things happen because they won't happen again. That you know, potentially a line in the sand was drawn with regard to, to Cork-Galway and we will never go back. Going forward, just incremental improvement. I think I, 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 that sounds very simple, but I, I think that should be the goal. You know, we always look at the, the ladies football final attendance and it's jumping, you know, huge amounts every year. I'd be very much of the parish of just incremental improvement in all areas in terms of participation, in terms of media coverage and almost steady as she goes. Now, others mightn't like to hear that, but I, I think that's the um, I think that's the best path forward.
4: Uh, Larry, I come in then. Um, it's uh, ironically um, or coincidentally my low light nearly. I mean, it apart from that, say. apart from the cock up over the women's football semi final was actually the Ukraine game um, and and the fact that it was Anya Gorman, who has been such a sterling, sterling and such a stellar footballer and still and come back to play international, that it was hard, that was partly responsible for that OG. That broke my heart. I just thought, oh, my God, life is just not fair because she's just such a wonderful person. Um, my, highlights, my highlight of the year, one of the things that really kind of encouraged me this year was athletes speaking out. Um, and that was my highlight and I don't just mean clearly in Ireland like people might know one of the great things WNBA women's basketball in America professional basketball, they had a new collective bargaining agreement It in, it, it includes brilliant maternity cover um, all kinds of things they weren't entitled to before but also. They were one of the first uh, organisations to come out on the Black Lives Matter thing and wore uh, Brianna Taylor's name on the back of every team jersey. It was, it was again, because women's sport doesn't get covered that much, it didn't get much notice, far less notice. Everybody was too busy watching the last dance. Um, but um, Naomi Asaka was another example of it. Nadia paragina Akimosi here on the racism issue. Um, Amy O'Connor speaking up. Ashley Maloney speaking up. Just... Women have, female athletes having the confidence to speak up about issues in their sport and in society. And that really encouraged me. And the fact that they got good coverage for it and were respected for it and and only right. And I think that's brilliant. It's about, as you were saying, I think earlier, somebody was saying uh, about, you know, the more coverage you get, uh, the more confidence, you know, confidence comes with that respect. And so that I felt was really important. And just one last thing, something that really encouraged me this year was, again, in American soccer, um, uh, there's, a, there's a team going to come into women's, uh, the, w, um, the NWSL, probably in 2022. But this really interested me. It's about corporate and also about allyship. So at the moment, their name is Angel City. They're going to be a women's soccer team playing out of Los Angeles. Who's involved? Natalie Portman a load of tech people um, and uh, uh, online people who've decided that women's football is worth investing in um, they've also got Serena Williams, Serena Williams' daughter is also a shareholder, believe it or not the youngest possible shareholder in a professional sporting team, so it's really interesting, the cross this crossover, I think, between art and sport and industry and sport. And I think when you get people who you know, genuinely love a game and see potential for a women's team and are willing to invest in it, that's what women's sport needs going forward.
3: That's a nice positive note to, to leave it on. Thanks very much, lads, and great discussion. Thanks, Therese, Kina, Louise and Owen.
0: Happy New Year, everyone. Thanks very much.